Thank you all for tuning in to the 303rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart Radio, SoundCloud, or whatever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York. Specifically, Buffalo, New York. No longer in any suburbs. Just had a move. So now I'm actually technically in the city of Buffalo. So I could actually technically vote for who's mayor of Buffalo. So usually like Amherst, right? That's where I've lived my whole life, a little suburb outside of Buffalo. But now I'm actually in Buffalo, so that's an interesting life update. Also, sorry that there was no Monday pod uh, moving. Things got kind of chaotic, so I didn't get a chance to do that. But uh, I can keep doing three pods a week. Also, outside the shop, the little YouTube show I've been doing, that's going to start back up next week. So everybody stay tuned for that and subscribe to the YouTube channel like I always tell you, Daryl Lane. Uh, I've been kind of slacking with putting content up on there, so we're going to start putting more content up on there pretty quick, easy, and simple. For the podcast today, going to have Danny Cunningham on. Uh, he's a digital content producer for News 5 in Cleveland. Also, uh, he does some stuff with ESPN Cleveland, so we're going to have him on and we're going to talk NBA, the National Basketball Association, all things basketball. It's been an interesting postseason with so many stars getting hurt. Uh, so going to talk about a bevy of different things, all NBA related. So uh, if you're an NBA fan, you should enjoy this podcast. But before we get to that, I want to say this. Thank you if this is your first time listening, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be Reddit threads, Facebook groups. Also, follow me on Twitter. At night train underscore lane. I'll say it again. At night train underscore lane. And if you have Apple or iTunes, leave a five star review. And for some odd reason, if you don't like my podcast, as I always say, you know, you're entitled to it. Everybody has a right to their opinion. But let's say for some odd reason that does happen. Obviously, of course, I wouldn't expect it to. But let's say it does. Then don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And without ado, cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Danny Cunningham. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us today, Danny Cunningham. He covers uh, covers a lot of things, NBA basketball-related works for ESPN Cleveland and is a digital content producer for News 5 Cleveland. How are you doing, Danny? I'm doing all right, man. Just, you know, hanging in there. How are you? I am doing great. So the first thing I have to ask you is this. So just your thoughts, let's start with this, overall of this postseason. I know there's been a lot of injuries that have happened, like Giannis just got hurt. Uh, you know, there's the whole Kawhi thing that's kind of going on right now. LeBron was a little dinged up. AD was dinged up in their series. Chris Paul missed some games. What have you kind of thought of this weird postseason that we've all kind of had to deal with? Um, the injuries, listen, the injuries are no fun. You don't want to ever see anyone get hurt, whether it's Anthony Davis a few weeks ago with the Lakers or 
Giannis and Adekumbo last night as we're recording this on June 30th. You don't want to see anybody get hurt ever. Um, but I do think that the injury is obviously a bad thing. But I think that the new blood we're getting in the postseason is a good thing for the NBA. I, you know, I had kind of a hot take a couple weeks ago, man, where I said that Steph Curry being, you know, didn't make the playoffs. They lost in the play-in. The Lakers losing in the first round, so no more LeBron. Kevin Durant being eliminated in the second round, even though I think right now he's probably the best player in the world. This is good for the NBA because now you're getting, you are able to introduce the more casual basketball fan. You know, we're on the East Coast. The the casual basketball fan in Ohio or New York or Pennsylvania, they're not typically staying up to watch the Phoenix Suns play, but now they're getting introduced to Devin Booker in the playoffs. They're getting introduced to Trey Young. They're getting introduced to this next wave of a young superstar. And at some point, those guys have to become the face of the league. Because, listen, LeBron's been in the NBA since 2003. It's been his league since, I don't know, say 2007 or so. And because of that, it's LeBron, LeBron, LeBron forever. At some point, it's not going to be LeBron anymore. And I think that this postseason with, and I'm not saying that LeBron is done. I, I still think he's going to win at least one more championship. But this is how the NBA is able to start to begin the process of turning that page to the next wave of young superstars. And I think the playoffs have been great. You know, ratings are up. A lot of people are watching. It's been incredibly exciting basketball. Just to see the Suns get through the Lakers and then sweep the Nuggets in the second round and you know, they're on the precipice of going to the first NBA final since 1993 out in Phoenix. That's awesome. To see what the Hawks are doing where, you know, they were a below 500 team halfway through the season, fired their coach, and now they've looked like one of the best teams in basketball since then. They have a legitimate chance to win a championship. I think it's awesome for the game, and as a fan, it's been so fun to watch. And when you kind of talk about it being good for the game, I think it's interesting, too, because I was I can remember – uh, the, during the wintertime or whatever, I'm talking to one of my friends and we're talking about the NBA and he's kind of like, you know, like th- there's no point of, of watching during the regular season. He's like, it's going to be Lakers, it's going to be Nets. He was like, you know, the Jazz, no chance. And obviously they didn't make it. Like the Suns, like no chance. Like the Hawks, like all people, it'd be like midway through the season, if the Hawks are going to be in the conference finals, people would have laughed at you. He's like, we already know it's like the best players. And that didn't end up happening. And it's kind of like, I think that's part of, like, partly why, you know, college football, like particularly the NFL is so popular with fans is because like, uh, you know, you can have the regular season, but I think everybody kind of knows that, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. And just because, you know, you have this player, you have Tom Brady, you have Patrick Mahomes, that doesn't mean like they're going to win. Right? Again, it's kind of like, I think we're kind of seeing that in the NBA this year, where it's like, just because you have LeBron James doesn't mean you're just going to win a championship. Yeah, it's the first time in a long time that that's the case. And LeBron doesn't win a championship every year, we both know that, but either he or Steph Curry were in the finals every single year from 2011 until last year when LeBron and the Lakers won it. This year, that streak stops, and they were both gone early on. So this has kind of become, you know, you sit back and I can watch, especially you know, with Giannis's injury going on, when I sit down to watch game five of Atlanta and Milwaukee in a couple of nights, I don't know who's going to win that game. And I love that right now, especially if you don't have a dog in the fight. If you're not one of the, if you're not a fan of the Suns or the Clippers or the Hawks or the Bucks, this is incredible basketball to watch because you're going to be entertained every night and you're going into every game and you're like, I don't know who's going to win. And I'm okay with that. And the NBA hasn't had that, it feels like, for a long time. At least not until 
you know, the NBA Finals, where anything can kind of happen there. But in the Eastern Conference for eight years, it was, well, this team's not going to beat LeBron's team four times in two weeks. That's how it was. And now that's gone, and it's great for the league. Do you think that this is like a one-off type of thing, or do you think that this we might start seeing this be a little bit more of the norm where, you know, I think a lot of the time people thought, you know, to win a championship, you need LeBron. You need stuff. And obviously, you know, they those guys help. But, you know, I mean, there's kind of, you know, maybe another way to do it, right? So you see the Phoenix Suns situation, right? So you have Devin Booker, then you have Aiden, then you get Chris Paul in, and then you kind of build around the team with other good players. Or you have a Payne, you have a Bridges. You have other these other guys that can play. And then it's like, oh, like, they're a really, really good, solid basketball team. And then they can win to the postseason. You think it's kind of true that maybe there's another kind of formula that there is? I think that stars are always going to win in the NBA. I don't think that that's going to change. And, you know, we've talked a, a bunch about LeBron so far in our conversation today, but he's a, he's a one of one. Listen, like there was never going to be another Michael Jordan and LeBron James is not Michael Jordan. I think he's better personally, but they're just not the same guy. There's not ever going to be another LeBron James either. That's just that you cannot say that I want to build my team I just want LeBron and then whatever else, and I'm going to win. That's not going to be the case anymore. It's still going to be stars. Stars are still winning in the playoffs. It's just a different a different combination of stars. It's different stars out there now. Devin Booker is a superstar in the NBA. He just had never won before. Chris Paul is a superstar in the NBA. He's just been incredibly unlucky throughout his career. I think we're realizing DeAndre Ayton starting to look like he's going to become a superstar. Giannis, a two-time MVP. He's a superstar in this league without question. Chris Middleton is making him, making his case that he is a star player. Trey Young, already been an all-star, only in his third year. He could be the face of the NBA in a couple of years. Kawhi Leonard, I know he's out as well, but Paul George, he's a superstar. So it's still, you have to win with superstars, and you have to have the right pieces around them to win, but these superstars just aren't LeBron, and that's the biggest difference. You know, and I guess what I mean, too, when I say that is, like, maybe just if we're kind of, like, capping it, maybe, like, I, I would say, I don't know if you agree with this, the only top 10 player, the only bona fide, I'd say, top 10 player left is Giannis. But I guess um, you, you, I mean, you could Kawhi argue Trey, Devin. I, Kawhi Leonard certainly yeah. is. And yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi obviously is, too. I mean, I wasn't thinking. Yeah, yeah, Kawhi. Um, yeah, Kawhi. yeah those, those are the two. I, I think that it's difficult to make a top 10 list right now that has Trey Young on it, that has Devin Booker on it, that has Paul George on it. Um, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, definitely not on it. I don't think Chris Paul's on it. DeAndre Ayton isn't on it. So, yeah, uh, the only two left are Giannis and Kawhi Leonard. And both of them might not play again this year. If Do you think we could be in a situation where we're saying whoever wins this championship? And I, I don't like when I say this because people kind of said it with the bubble when the Lakers won. Like, you know, you kind of rank which championship means more. I think people are going to kind of say, you know, this is the worst NBA champion in the last 20, 25 years or maybe ever. I hope not. Um, listen, you can you can make a case. You can go back to whatever championship you want. Like, you could pick a year. You could put an asterisk there. Like, when Golden State won in 2018, oh, well, it's because Chris Paul, you know, tore his hamstring off the bone in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, you can make a case the Cavs won in 2016 because Draymond Green missed Game 5 of the Finals due to a flagrant foul suspension because he had too many flagrant foul points throughout the playoffs. You can do that. For any year. You can certainly say it about last year. I don't believe in that stuff, though. I think that every single championship is incredibly hard to win. It doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter the scenario. If you are the only team left standing at the end of the season, 
it was incredibly difficult to where you are, and there should be never an asterisk attached to it. I think that just because, you know, maybe you got a couple of lucky breaks along the way. Every team that has ever won a championship has had at least one lucky thing go their way. This year's going to be no different with whoever it is, but that doesn't mean an asterisk should ever be attached to it. I, I completely agree with you. I think you can only play who you play. I, I exactly. You, you have to play the cards that are dealt. And the object is to play the cards that you are dealt better than anyone else can. And whoever wins the championship this year, they're going to play their cards that they were dealt to the best of their abilities. And they're going to be rewarded for it, and they should be. Yeah, and I think maybe people do that more in basketball because there's only like five players on a court for a team, and, and you kind of can sure. focus on it more. It's more star-driven where, like in the NFL, like if you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, they were missing like their whole offensive line, but nobody says like, oh, you know, it doesn't mean that much for the Buccaneers and Tom Brady because Kansas City didn't have their whole line. It, it, it is easier to to attach to basketball. I do think you're right there. Um, but I, it's something that I wish would go away because I truly believe that, you know, these guys, they work their entire lives to get to the pinnacle of their sport. And then to say, oh, there's an asterisk there. I, I just don't think that's right. No, I, I completely agree with you that. So I kind of want to get into this. So Suns versus Clippers, just kind of talk to me what you've been seeing throughout the series so far and what have your thoughts been of it? Um, I, I've been really impressed with, one, the coaching job that Teron Lue's doing with the Clippers. I know that they're currently down in the series as we speak. and um, But I'm actually really happy that because of the coaching job he's done throughout the playoffs, he's kind of retroactively getting... Uh, praise for what he was able to do in Cleveland, especially back in 2016, where everyone just saw, oh, LeBron, 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 where, you know, Ty, Ty Lue was pretty good, too, as a coach. Um, listen, if Kawhi Leonard were playing, I would probably pick the Clippers to still come back and win this series, but I just don't think that that's going to happen. Um, again, though, if Devin Booker didn't have a broken nose, I think we look at a different version of Devin Booker. The other thing that's really stood out to me is just how good DeAndre Ayton has been. I, I mean, he is... He's kind of been forgotten about. You know, he was a number one pick back in 2018. Everyone looks at that draft and say, oh, the Suns should have taken Luka Doncic. They should have, they could have Luka and Devin Booker, and how fun would that be? And listen, Luka Doncic, no matter what, still would have been the right pick. But DeAndre Ayton is turning himself into one of the best centers in basketball, and I think that this playoffs run for Phoenix has been a coming out party for him. Um, and with that, you know, it's just so fun to watch those guys really come into their own. As far as the Clippers go, again, I think Ty Lue is doing a great job. And it's been interesting to me to see how Paul George plays when he's forced to be the guy. If you watch that game five the other night when he, I think, had 41 points on 15 of 20 shooting, like that is the guy that finished third in the MVP voting a couple years back when he was in OKC with Russell Westbrook and the Thunder. That is the guy that so many people think that he can be all the time. And I think that's why he's kind of a frustrating player. It's because when he's the second best player on the team, as he is when Kawhi Leonard's there, he kind of floats a little bit. He kind of comes and goes. I don't know if his focus is an issue or what it is, but when there's more on his plate, it seems like he's a guy that kind of can rise to the occasion. It's when less is expected of him, he underperforms. And I think that's really been an interesting observation that I've had. So, I want to get to Kawhi. So, a lot's been made of the whole injury thing. You're hearing a lot of different stuff. Like, like some people are saying that, you know, like he's mad at the, the Clippers training staff. Other people, are, Like, I think I've read something that, you know, he couldn't travel because of elevation or something. Like, what do you think is going on from just, like, your perspective? 
It's weird, man. I don't have a good answer to that. I, I truly don't. And it seems like everything that Kawhi Leonard has ever been part of is just shrouded in mystery, whether it was with the Spurs, whether it was his you know, free agency, taking visits to Toronto, or just everything that has ever been about his career seems to be shrouded in mystery. And it also seems like he's a guy that is not very often happy with whatever team he's on their medical staff. Um, because like those are rumblings that have been getting out that he's unhappy with the way that the situation is being handled. And you know what? None of us even know what's going on. It's just knee sprain or knee soreness right now. Could Kawhi Leonard have a torn ACL? Maybe. Could Kawhi Leonard be fine? Maybe. We have no idea, and it's really hard to make of it because of that. I think the part that's weird for me, and I kind of want your perspective on this, is like, you know, like let's if he has a torn ACL, like why not just say that? I think it's like I I don't understand like why there has to be kind of like this posturing and kind of like this like ga- like game like if you have a torn ACL just say I think everybody would understand I think his teammates I think the fans I think everybody would get it. I do too. I couldn't agree more with you. That's why I don't understand why this is being handled the way it's being handled. I truly do not. Be- because for me, I, I think it's like. It gets weird, and I don't know. Maybe his teammates do know. Maybe Paul George doesn't know. I mean, I would hope maybe they, they talk enough that, that like this would know, and people you know you know that he works with his coworkers. They would know like in any profession. But like you know, I feel like to some extent it kind of leaves his teammates kind of hanging out there because it's kind of like you know like are, is there a chance you'll come back? Like when are you coming back? Or like do we just not know when you're coming back? I mean, I guess he doesn't know it to the media. He doesn't know it to the fans. But I think at least, and I don't know if they do know this, but like, he kind of owes it to them. Like, you know, w- w- what's kind of going on? I I don't think it's good to just like kind of leave, like leave them in limbo because I don't know if they know. And I think it's just kind of like I I feel like at this point too with the injury, like wouldn't this happen like almost two weeks ago? Like I feel like at this point, like everybody can get together and know like is he gonna play or not? So I think the thing that's unfair about this is other people have to answer for it. No, Kawhi Leonard isn't the one that's taking questions on this one. It's, you know, people are asking Paul George, what do you know about Kawhi Leonard's knee? They're, you know, asking Patrick Beverly or Vita Zubats or just, I mean, name anyone on that team, and there's questions for them about Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard is not the one speaking. Um, and, I mean, he's a man of very few words anyways, but it's just a little uncomfortable when you're putting other players in a bind because of the way that the team or Kawhi, we don't even know who is handling this poorly. We don't know who's in charge of this. and it, We just know that it's being handled in a very weird way. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. So now I want to go to the Bucks and the Hawks. So before you kind of mention that, you know, as well as Aiden's playing, Lucas still should have been the number one pick. Now I have to ask you this. As well as Trey Young was playing before he got hurt, do you think Trey Young has made anybody second guess maybe he should have been the number one pick? No, um, listen, Trey Young is really, really great. He's an awesome player to watch. He's an electrifying offensive talent. He's, you know, already been an all-star. He's going to be the face of the Atlanta Hawks for a very long time. At least that's what they hope. But Luka Doncic is a guy that I think has a chance to go down as one of the 10 best players in NBA history. And I don't think Trey Young is at that level. Um, And listen, both teams can be happy with the results of the trade. They can't. The Hawks ended up getting Cam Reddish as part of the deal from Dallas as that that pick that was conveyed the year after. But the Dallas Mavericks still got the best player in that deal. Just because the Hawks have done a much much better job building their team around the guy they got in that trade in Trey Young. I mean, if you look at what they did this offseason, 
having Bogdan Bogdanovich, having Danilo Gallinari, um, DeAndre Hunter as a draft pick, Cam Reddish, another guy that they drafted, trading for Clint Capella last year. All of those guys have been very helpful to Atlanta throughout this year, throughout the playoff run. And Dallas hasn't done a very good job of doing that kind of stuff. And that's where the big difference is. Because if you swapped out, if you gave Atlanta Luka Doncic and you gave Dallas Trey Young, I think Atlanta would probably be the favorites to win the championship right now, as things stand. But with Trey Young, I think it's a toss-up. Anybody can go home with the, with the Larry O'Brien trophy. If Luka Doncic were running the Hawks, if it were him instead of Trey Young, I think that, at least in terms of the betting favorite, Atlanta would probably, you know, be number one, and they would probably be leading Milwaukee in this series too. How much do you think Trey has helped this stock this postseason? Oh, I, I think a, an incredible amount. Um, and you know, I loved watching the first two rounds because if you, you know, we went so long without fans being in buildings for for games because of COVID and just you know things were not normal. Things getting back to normal and seeing he, Trey Young in Madison Square Garden taking on the New York Knicks and just really leaning into that villain-type role was awesome. And then seeing him do it again in Philadelphia, even though I know he didn't have a good Game 7 and Kevin Herter was kind of the guy that carried them to the conference finals on that night, seeing him lean into that role was awesome. Trey's, everything I know about Trey leads me to believe that, you know, he's a great guy, he's a good teammate, people like to be around him, and he's a very polite young man. But when he's on the court, he kind of takes on that villain persona. And the NBA needs somebody like that because there hasn't been one of those guys in at least a few years that I can think of. And having Trey fill that role, especially as an undersized guy that plays with a lot of heart, that's very much so fearless on the court, I think is awesome for, you know, he has really built his brand up even more so. As you mentioned, his stock is on the rise, but the NBA has to love it as well. So, if Giannis doesn't come back... Well, actually, first, do you think Giannis is going to come back this series? I have no idea. I mean, that injury did not look like a good injury last night when we were all watching it um, in the third quarter. But, you know, I'm not a doctor. I, I, I'm not an expert in knee injuries. It didn't look good, but I don't want to guess whether or not he's going to play. Um, I hope he does. I think everyone wants to see Giannis on the court. I think if you ask the Hawks, they would want to beat you know, Milwaukee with Giannis playing. But I, I truly cannot give a good answer there. So, with that being said, let's assume that he's not going to play again the rest of the sure. series. That's probably the safer assumption. But again, I just I don't want to want to go there and rule somebody out like yeah. that. So, if he doesn't play, what are the Bucks' chances? I, I think their backs are definitely against the wall. Listen, they still can win this series without Giannis. They need, but they need, if you think back to Game 3... In Atlanta, how Chris Middleton went and scored 20 points in the fourth quarter and really closed that game for the Bucks. The Bucks need Chris Middleton to be that guy for four quarters every night. And Chris is capable of that. His problem isn't that he's not good, because Chris is a great player. It's that he's inconsistent. They need, If they get the great version of Chris Middleton, they can still be Bucks. Now, I have questions whether or not how long that can last, and if they could be whoever comes out of the West in a seven-game series, I don't know. But they still can get to the finals without Giannis. I don't love their chances, but it's something that certainly is possible. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into some more NBA news. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk.
the sky, you can see where I'm aiming. I never be denied, my destiny is awaiting. All the naysayers stay praying that I wouldn't make it. Had to look inside, find the motivation. See, I want this more than everything. I will die turning dreams into realization. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Danny Cunningham with us. So, Danny, what I want to ask you now is this. So, it just came out. Uh, Dwayne, I think Dwayne Wade kind of floated this out, maybe. Uh, that Donovan Mitchell, that's potentially worried that there could be issues with Donovan in Utah. I just kind of want your perspective. How concerned should Utah be that Donovan Mitchell could be one of these really good players we see in the NBA that says, peace, I'm out? Um, I think that there are reasons to be frustrated with the way that things have gone in Utah over the last couple of years. Obviously, there was a disconnect at the start of the pandemic as Rudy Gobert was kind of the NBA's patient zero as far as, as the coronavirus went. And I know that that created uh, issues in that locker room, we'll say. But also, the way that things ended this year in Utah has to leave a bad taste in his mouth. And it has to leave a bad taste in, you know, everyone in that organization's mouth. They had the best record in basketball. They were a team that looks – everything was breaking their way to go to the NBA Finals. So much so as Kawhi Leonard was out for games five and six when that series was tied up at two games apiece. And they couldn't get it done. They were up by, I believe, what, 25 points? And they blew a lead to the Clippers? That's inexcusable. There's reason to be frustrated. That being said, I would be stunned if Donovan Mitchell is not in a Utah Jazz uniform to start next year. I would be stunned. So when you say issues with, and I think you're alluding to Donovan and Rudy, what do you mean by that, if you can kind of explain that? Well, I just don't know that they were ever the best of friends to begin with. And it seemed like that was something that probably further further separated or strained the relationship. Um, listen, Rudy's a great player. Donovan's a great player. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends, and they're not. And, you know, most guys across the NBA, you don't have to be best friends with your teammates. But I think that there are also on-court things, and I think that trying to appease Rudy Gobert in certain ways as the Jazz have. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the term screen assists, which is something Rudy routinely leads the league in. And the Jazz kind of, I don't want to say came up with that stat, but they're the ones that push it out there because they want to make their their guy look good. Yeah, they're, trying to, they're the pump-up guy, the hype man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, for, for Rudy Gobert. And Gobert might be the best guy on that team. He might be the best player on that team, but it's not his team. It's Donovan Mitchell's team because Donovan Mitchell is the thing that makes that engine go. Um, so I just, I don't know what the future is going to hold for that organization. I There are one team... I'm very curious to see what the offseason has in store for them. How do you, what do you think they? Where do you think they even go from here? Like, you know, they have a lot of these guys already under contract. Like, they're not going to have a high draft pick. How do they just, you know, like internal development? Like, okay, Donovan just needs yeah, to. It's, you know, it's hard to see another option other than running it back. They had the number one, or they had the number one record, excuse me, in the Western Conference in all of basketball. They were the best team in the regular season, and it didn't work out in the playoffs. I do think that that's worth giving another shot. I think they need a little bit of help defensively on the wing. You know, Royce O'Neal is a good wing defender, but they need one more guy like him, and then that roster would really be pretty complete. If they get that, you know, I would run it back one more time and see what you can get because you don't always have these chances, and the Jazz do right now. So as long as Utah does, I would keep going for it. So next I want to get to Damian Lillard. People have been talking about that Damian Lillard's frustrated in Portland. He used to be a guy who said... 
you know, I would never leave, you know, I, and all that. He would kind of put, really put that out there. I would never leave. I don't agree with everybody else. I don't want to team up with anybody. I'm fine staying in Portland. I was kind of like, well, I guess once upon a time, Kevin Garnett said he was never going to leave Minnesota. Then he ended up leaving Minnesota. So I guess, you know, things change. People change over the years. Uh, what are the chances that Damian Lillard is no longer in a Portland Trailblazers jersey? I think it's pretty close to 50-50, man. I do. Dame is a guy that there have always been other options. You know, he could have said the word and demanded a trade, and there would have been suitors. 29 other teams would want Damian Lillard on their team. There's no question about that. He's that good. Um, but he's been extremely loyal throughout his entire NBA career to the city of Portland, to that organization. Uh, this offseason's just not been a good one for them so far, and it's only three weeks in. This postseason was very disappointing for Portland. Um, I I think, you know, my gut tells me he's not going to request a trade. My gut tells me he's going to stay in Portland, that these are just frustrations from an underwhelming finish to the season. And, you know, the offseason has certainly been less than ideal so far for the Blazers. But I think that he's going to end up opening the season in Portland, trying to run it back one more time. If it doesn't work out this season, I think maybe next season is when we might start to hear uh, some louder rumblings about Damian Lillard's unhappiness. So, in terms of what they could do, right? Like, is there any trade you think they could do with maybe trying to, you know, package CJ and maybe Nurkic for somebody? Well, I think that CJ is the name um, to to watch here as a guy that could move. I believe uh, Yusef Nurkic is a restricted free agent or has a team option or something, so I'm not sure what his status is going to be on, on the trade market, but I think that C.J. McCollum's a guy that, you know, if Portland wants to try and find an upgrade there, packaging C.J. McCollum with somebody else is probably the best thing that they're going to be able to put together. I don't know exactly what that's going to be able to get back. Um, Portland doesn't have a lot of draft capital right now. They don't have a first-round pick this year. So I just, I don't know what you're going to get back from that, but you've only got so many levers to pull and the Blazers roster kind of is what it is right now. That's one of the last things that you have in your back pocket. So I think that that's something we could see. So now I'm going to go to this. So the Lakers, they kind of went out this year in the playoffs and kind of, uh, I almost sound spectacular fashion. It, it, the, the last game in Game Six, you know, I, I think that whole series actually, LeBron kind of looked a little bit slow, and obviously he was banged up. Obviously, AD really couldn't move in that uh, the last game they played in particular. Uh, but more so to LeBron, and, and you're a guy. You think you already said it, you think LeBron's better all time than Michael Jordan, uh, which is still another conversation. But where do you think LeBron is in his career right now? I think if you ask people last year, they would have said he's still the best player in the NBA. I think people are giving him the benefit of the doubt all the way to the Sun Series, where it's kind of like, you know, wins kind of like this extra gear that LeBron always had, where it can, like he can really turn it up, and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy's still the best player in the league. So where do you think he is at this point of his career? Do you think he still can be the best player in the league? Do you think we're talking about, you know, he's top five-ish, top ten? So where do you think he is now? I think Kevin Durant is probably the best player in basketball right now. And I think a lot of people would agree with me after watching, you know, what he did in that second round series against the Bucks that I know the Nets couldn't finish the job, but Kevin Durant was the best player on the floor every single night in that series. Um, but I don't think it would surprise anybody if we're having this conversation 12 months from now and the Lakers are coming off a championship and LeBron wins another finals MVP. I don't think that would be a stunning thing. I don't know if it's the most likely outcome, but I don't think it would be crazy to think that 12, 12 months from now we're talking about LeBron again as the guy with the, the crown on his head, that he's sitting on top of that throne one more time. 
I, I don't think that that would be the most surprising thing. I think that you know Kevin Durant's number one right now, and there's nobody that I've seen that has done something that says that guy's better than LeBron other than Kevin Durant. So I, I will say Kevin Durant's number one, LeBron's number two. And as for that extra gear, I truly think that the ankle injury he suffered you know, at the midway point in the season that really ended his season prematurely and he tried to ramp back up in the playoffs, I think that because of that, he just was not nearly the same guy um, when push came to shove. And when he's not the same guy and Anthony Davis is out with a groin injury, the Lakers aren't going to be able to, to really even tread water. So that's kind of what to make of that, in my opinion. How long do you think he'll still have where we can say, okay, he's arguably a top two player in the world? Man, I have no idea because if you would have told me five years ago that five years from now LeBron James would be one of the best players in the world still, I think a lot of people would have looked at you sideways just because, you know, father time is undefeated. This guy's been in the league for 18 years. Um, I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but I just know that, I, and I think that every every fan should enjoy it as long as it lasts because we're never going to see another LeBron James. We're going to see freak athletes. We're going to see more great basketball players. But I don't think that we're ever going to see another combination of the size, speed, strength, IQ, uh, feel for the game. I just don't think we're going to see another combination of that for a very long time. Can you ever imagine a world where, and you're from Cleveland, so this is really interesting. Can you ever imagine a world where LeBron, like, isn't good at basketball? Like, because when Gonick saw Kobe at the end, right? Like, Kobe wasn't, it was like, oh, okay, this isn't really fun to watch anymore. Like, it's kind of bad. Like, like do you think, sad, do you, yeah. yeah, do you think there's ever going to be a point where we're watching LeBron and we're like, oh, God, like, the, you know, this dude can't really play anymore? Like, do you think we'll ever see that? Or do you think he'll always be like, okay, like, he's still pretty good at basketball? Like, like at least if, let's say, he's not a top 10 player, he's still, like, you know, all starish caliber. I don't think there's ever going to be a point where he doesn't contribute to winning. Um, I think that part of the reason, I mean, Kobe's body betrayed him at the end, and that's part of the reason uh, Kobe became what Kobe was at the end. But also, I think part of it is LeBron's game is going to age really well because of what he's able to do in the low post on the block where he's become really an elite-level guy with his back to the basket. And the fact that he's, for my money, the best passer in the game. Because of those things, he's going to age well. Listen, his jump shot's not always going to be great. He's not always going to be, you know, playing two feet above the rim and just an uber-explosive athlete, but he's still going to be able to pass. He's still going to be able to back you down in the post, and there's going to be nothing you're going to be able to do about it. He's going to be able to find the open guys and make his teammates around him better. And as long as he's doing that, he's going to contribute to winning. So in terms of you having him too, is that more so you have Durant over? Because like I think like what kind of Durant showed in that series against Milwaukee, like he was you think it's just like the way Durant played. That's not something that LeBron or any for that matter anybody else in the NBA is capable of doing right now. Like you don't think any other player in the NBA could have done what KD did? I don't think it's necessarily that. I just think it's a culmination of a lot of things. You know what Kevin Durant did was special against Milwaukee. It it truly was. And listen. Is Devin Booker capable of having a game like Kevin Durant had in Game 5 against the Bucks? Absolutely. Is LeBron capable of doing that? 100%. Steph Curry, capable of doing that. There are lots of guys that are capable of it. But just to do it on that stage, especially after what he's been through, what he's already accomplished in his career, coming back from a torn Achilles tendon um, a couple of years ago, it just feels like it's Kevin Durant's time now. And, you know, it's he's a guy that he's wanted for it to be his time for a long time. You know, when he went to Golden State and won the finals MVP over LeBron James, he thought, everyone's going to call me the best player in the world now. 
that wasn't the case because he wasn't that guy yet. But now I, I truly do think he is. So I want to talk about the draft really quickly. So the last year's draft with LaMelo Ball and all those guys, how do you think that draft, for their, all their rookie years, how, how do you think it ended up playing out in terms of how you projected it? Um, it wasn't the strongest of draft classes. I think that this year's draft class is much stronger. Um, LaMelo Ball, I think he's going to be a, a very nice young player. I don't think that he's a franchise superstar. I don't think that a team is ever going to win a title with LaMelo Ball as the best player on the team. Anthony Edwards is going to be a very good young player. I think that he could be an all-star at some point, but I don't think that he's going to be the guy on a team. Um, just, I don't think that... I. If those guys were in the draft class this year, I don't think any of them would go above four. Um, I, probably five would be the highest pick. Um, James Wiseman disappointed a lot of people last year. I think he'll be better in year two at, at, in Golden State. But you know, if you're doing a draft right now, knowing what you know now about all those guys, James Wiseman doesn't go in the top five last year. He might not go in the top ten last year. Um, so it's just... It, it was an underwhelming draft class studying it last year, and that kind of uh, proved to be correct. Now, as you go into this upcoming class, you have Cade, and you have Mobley. You have all these really, really talented guys. What are your thoughts of that, uh, the draft class coming up that we're going to see in a couple months? I think that this, is, this has a chance to be the best draft class that we've seen in 15 years. Um, I think Cade Cunningham is special. I think that the way he controls the game, uh, he, he's he got size. I, the way that I kind of look at Kagan is he's a little bit smaller version of Ben Simmons, but he can also shoot, you know, 37, 38, 40% from behind the three-point line. Um, I, just, I think that he's going to be special. The, the thing that really stood out to me when I watched him is the speed at which he plays the game. And it's not a fast versus slow thing. It's a no matter how fast he's moving, no matter how slow he's moving, he is in control of the entire game. And that's something that's really hard to find in an 18-year-old. And Kate Cunningham unquestionably has that. Um, I also love Jalen Green. I think that he's a guy that's going to come into the NBA, and I would be, I would be surprised if Jalen Green is not a 20-point-per-game scorer next year as a rookie. I think that he's going to be the best scorer in this draft class. Um, if I were the Houston Rockets and Kate Cunningham's off the board, I'm going Jalen Green. I'm not thinking twice about it. I think that he's going to be special as well. Evan Mobley can be a two-way guy, uh, a big man. You're not going to be able to play him off the floor. I know we talked about Rudy Gobert a little bit. And just, you know, one of the problems that Utah has is you can go small and you can play him off the floor and that rim defender's gone. Evan Mobley, you're not going to be able to do that too, which I think is a really special thing. And if he does continue to develop his game on the outside, He's going to be, you know, a multi-time all-star. Jalen Suggs, I'm not as high on him as the other three guys, but I think that he's an incredible leader. I think that he can become an all-star caliber player. Um, his shooting needs to improve, but he's a good defender, good decision maker. And if the shooting comes, he's going to be really awesome. I just have my questions whether or not it will. And then Jonathan Kaminga is the other name I look at. He's the rawest of these prospects, but his ceiling is uber high. I mean, he is a freak athlete. He might be the best athlete in this this class. He's going to be a terrific defender when he figures out where he needs to be, when he needs to be there. And he, the sky is the limit for this type of kid. He's a he's a lottery ticket uh, in a sense. But if if it hits, 
whatever team drafts him is going to be very, very happy. You know, when we look at why players succeed and why they fail, what do you think are some of the bigger reasons why maybe a, a player doesn't make it? Do you think it's kind of like sometimes, like, okay, you know, this player, like, let's say LeBron, like, you know, LeBron is so talented, you know, it doesn't matter where he goes, he's always going to succeed. Like, where if let's say the worst case scenario for LeBron's career, let's say he's Ben Simmons, that's as bad as it ever gets for LeBron. Like, that's, like, that's it's the worst, you know, obviously the best, he's arguably the greatest player ever. Or then you go, you know, why does a guy like Kobe, he starts off on the bench, then he kind of progressively ends up getting better. Uh, or, or you see, you know, and, and LeBron's draft class, draft class Darko Milicic, I think people liked him, and then, you know, he ends up camp, uh, not being able to play, like Dirk Nowinski, I think he was kind of like lower lottery, comes in, ends up kind of developing. Like, what, what do you think it is why we see some players kind of succeed and reach kind of a certain pinnacle, and then others just kind of fall by the wayside? I think a lot of it has to do with the situation that they're put into. Um, if you look at, you know, going into bad, like Marvin Bagley II in Sacramento a couple years back, He's drafted into a situation that's not good for him. Now, granted, part of this is he can't stay healthy, but there's nothing good about being in Sacramento for him, and it's destroyed his career thus far. He's been a complete bust as a number two pick, in part because he's just in a bad situation. So much of that is dependent on personalities, on player development staff, coaching. All those things matter when you're talking about you know, drafting a guy and making sure you get the most out of him. So because of that, it's really all situational. Danny, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, my guy. And once again, I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 303rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.